This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 36. The Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast is coming to you with support from Maslow. Maslow helps you kickstart new life skills with a combination of personalized coaching and experiential learning. You get two weeks of personalized guidance and accountability from an expert coach, plus 10-minute daily activities to teach you new skills through the power of practice. It's all on your schedule. You decide when to start, when to practice, and when to interact with your coach. While Maslow has tons of programs from mindful meditation to time management to body maintenance, be sure to check out the link in the show notes and explore the program I coach for, the Common Connected Parenting Program. Maslow, we help anyone, anywhere actualize their personal growth ambitions. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast. I am so grateful and honored that you continue to tune in. So today, I'm stoked to share this show with you because I had the privilege of speaking with Margaret Crane, who is a ADD and ADHD coach out of Seattle. Right? Crazy. Did you know that there were ADD and ADHD coaches? There are. And uh, Margaret is passionately devoted to making growing up much easier for those ADD and ADHD kids. I can't tell you how often I'm in conversation with parents, whether they be clients or at a parent talk I'm doing, or even just friends. And ADD, ADHD labeling, diagnosing, conversation comes up. Um, And I think that there's a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I was just really glad to have somebody who's more of an expert on this topic come on and and chat with me. So Margit is amazing. And she is um, really an advocate for families and for parents and also helping, she helps parents navigate you know, advocacy for their kids in the in the classroom as well as um, out in the world. So some of the things that we're going to talk about is, you know, kind of the continuum of behavior and that often we, um, we might 
misread some more rambunctious behavior as ADD and or ADHD. She kind of helps us differentiate between those two things um, and also talks about first steps that parents can take to connect and hold space for their ADD, ADHD kids and how to support them in being successful. So I'm excited. I'm excited for you to listen. I'm excited for your feedback and your questions um, and for you to get to know Margaret because she is a really, really fun guest to have on the show. So how about we meet Margaret? Welcome, Margaret. I'm so excited to have you on the Joyful Courage Parent Podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I am fascinated by the work that you do with families. Can you share a little bit about how you find yourself being a leader in the conversation around raising kids with ADD? Well, I myself was diagnosed in 1980. I, it wasn't called ADD or ADHD then. Uh, but I was one of the first adults to be diagnosed. This is when they first started realizing that ADD uh, lasts into adulthood or through adulthood. And so um, I was asked to speak a lot. There were, there were like three of us young people. Well, I was 23, and uh, they were about the same age. And we were on this like sort of traveling panel. So we got to speak a lot to therapists and doctors and they would ask us questions because we had the perspective of we were adults, but we remembered our childhood. So we could give them a lot of information that they didn't have and information that they couldn't get for kid, from kids. And then I went into teaching and uh, I just, I mean, there, there are ADHD kids everywhere. So I, my first probably 10 years, I worked with what was called resource classes. And there were a lot of kids with different issues, but a lot of them had ADD and I just loved doing it. And I found out, I once, for instance, I had a class one year, it was 16 boys with ADD. And I was so scared. Oh man. Yeah, it's like this, no, this can't be happening. But it was one of my best classes. I, I just I just was like, okay, here we go. And um, I learned so much. So every time I taught a group, I just learned more and more. And then I became a school counselor and sort of, I didn't specialize in special ed, but those students that were underachieving, for instance, or had behavior issues, Love those kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. so paint us a picture about, you know, of what ADHD or ADD, well, maybe let's make a distinction. What is the distinction between ADD and ADHD? Because I think a lot of us just kind of lump it all together with the slash in the middle as if they're both the same yeah. thing. So it's kind of, it is confusing um, because it's called attention deficit disorder. So it should be ADD and it, was ADD and ADHD was sort of a subset, which to my way of thinking it still is, but the approved terminology is ADHD. So the difference between the H is hyperactivity. Mm -hmm. So typically girls will have more of the distraction, the 
the dreamy side to them. Um, and so often they're diagnosed with ADD or not diagnosed and they have ADD without the hyperactivity. And typically, although not always, uh, boys tend to be more physical mm-hmm. in their uh, manifestation of, of attention deficit disorder. And so they'll tend to have the H. Mm-hmm. I am a girl woman and I have, I have the H. So as we, okay. So as we move forward in conversation, what would be like the appropriate way for me to refer to kind of the umbrella? So that's ADHD. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Then I'm going to do that. So All right. awesome. Thank you. Paint us a picture of what ADHD parenting looks like. It looks like, so first of all, the, the parents that of kids with ADHD, they're like heroes on this journey. It's like pushing a rock up a hill. Um, the information that's out there is often um, denigrating to the kids denigrating to the parents, and this isn't true of all special needs parents and special needs families, but with ADHD, there's a lot of um, negative misinformation. Mm. So it can be, there is a, a tremendous amount of stress because there's a feeling that unless I get this, then all of that must be true. If I can't parent my child correctly, if nothing is working, then maybe it's true. Maybe I am a bad parent, like the misinformation says. Maybe my child just needs a spanking, like the misinformation says. Mm. Those kind of things. So, so there's, there's confusion, there's frustration, there's fear. Um, I guess you could say, you know, some shame about because you don't want to be ridiculed. Um, it's very common for teachers to say, I don't know what else to do. Right. And it's like, Really? Like, you're a teacher. I mean, I was a teacher, too. If I didn't know what to do with somebody, I asked around. Right. You know, so it's it's hard being the parent of an ADHD child. It's like, because you can't just take, so, for instance, if, if telling so, a, a non-ADHD child, if telling them to, if, sorry. No, you're if good. telling them to do something twice is enough and then they'll do it you would think okay well if i tell an adhd child five times that will be enough but in fact it doesn't work and the issue is that you can't just take a parenting technique that works with non-adhd kids and just sort of augment it or decorate it and you know (laughs) And then it works for somebody with ADD or ADHD. It's it's a different way of parenting because you've got different things going on. And yeah. it's just confusing. Right. Confusing. And, and do you think the confusion comes from, you know, the parent's lens is just, you know, unless a parent is an ADHD diagnosed parent – the lens that they see the world out of is just different than the lens that the child sees the world out of. So is yeah. it a matter, which I think is true for all parent child, right. right? But with an extra special flavoring. 
And yes, I agree with you. And part of that extra special flavoring is that it looks like your child is being defiant. Mm -hmm. And that's not really what's happening. Mm. Even though it looks just like it, and it's really hard to think of it as anything else. And so there begins to be this sort of, um, you know, cross purposes and, and tension and battling and that sort of thing. And that doesn't work either. Sure. So that's what's confusing about it is a lot of times it looks like, I mean, it, it, look, it looks clearly like X, mm -hmm. but it's not X. Mm. And that's confusing. Oh, that is confusing. Yeah. So what would you say is something that the parents who are coming to you for help are struggling with the most? Is it this defiance piece? Is it the seeing underneath the behavior? Um, I would say the top three things would be something to do with making the school understand mm -hmm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there isn't a lot of teacher education around ADHD and people... I mean, I've done lectures, you know, talks and presentations to teachers and um, school counselors, and the assumption is we know what that is, but the, but the information is old, and so they don't have the tools to deal with ADHD students. So that's the first thing parents mm -hmm. come to me about. The second thing would be um, a behavior thing like, I tell them 10 times and they still don't do it or they say they're going to do it and, and then they never get to it or, um, you know, they'll say like, well, I'll do it in a minute. And then that the minute goes by and nothing happens. Mm -hmm. So how do you, so there's, you know, how do you create a structure that's not jail because nobody wants to be in jail. Well, and it's not helpful. And, Exactly. And um, there's this dilemma of, well, if they have ADHD and that's part of what's going on, I can't really punish them, can I? And of course, my response is this isn't about reward and punishment. Um, you know, there's, it's, there's a different way to approach it. But, 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 you know, sort of the general world looks at things as you know, like reward and punishment. And, yeah, unfortunately. And then the third thing actually would be something to do with being really attached to the phone or computer games, something like that. And that's pretty tricky because there is a social component to that. So for some kids, um, it, especially what they tell me, it's not just the... the um, process of doing whatever it is the texting or the mm -hmm. minecraft which is actually good for your brain in my opinion um it, that it's not just doing that it's also the connection you make with people mm -hmm. so so having to postpone that connection when you already know that you don't fit neatly into the world mm -hmm. is painful literally painful yeah, and are those are the ADHD kids pretty aware of knowing that they're not the same as everybody else, would you say? 
Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. So I wouldn't say that they're emotionally or socially savvy Mm -hmm. necessarily, but it's obvious that we're not the same because we're in a classroom and we can see how how does she, how does she do that? How does she just sit there and take a test and someone walks in the door and she doesn't look over? Right. Or, you know, we can see the majority of people behaving differently than us. So, yeah, we know. Yeah. Well, and I think, in my opinion, the, the traditional classroom is not necessarily a great place no. for boys in general. It's not a great place for so many people. Yeah, right. But, but it's certainly not built for somebody with ADHD. Right. Not in, I mean, unless, and in my case kind of ironic I went to a private sort of experimental school not sort of it was an experimental school and I 
everything I suggested to help me, you know, like, oh, can I listen to music? Mm -hmm. That's alternative. Can I listen to music? Sure. And then I would get, no, nobody can study with music kind of thing. And and everything, so so the rules, there weren't rules. There, it was, I mean, it was just hard to read it. Whereas right. when I went to public school, it was very clear cut was what was expected. And I liked public school mm-hmm. because I didn't have to, I didn't have to make a decision and be embarrassed that, you know, I choose music. Well, you can't choose music. That's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it was like, I, the dis- there were decisions um, that were, they were just part of the deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't. There weren't decisions. I mean, the structure was part of the deal, and I liked that. Yeah. So, but that's me. Well, and behavior shows up on a continuum, right? So I remember wondering Absolutely. when. So I have a ten-year-old son and a thirteen-year-old daughter, and when my son was younger, um, and you know, typical, I think. You know, rough and tumble boy. But I remember because there is some ADHD in my family. Um, the wondering, you know, oh, I wonder if what are the signs? I don't know. And you feel, I feel like every time we turn around or I talk to another parent, you know, it seems like a lot of the families that I work with have one, at least one kid with ADHD. And so yeah. I was thinking, what is this? And so then I read a book which highlighted the fact that there are you know behaviors on a continuum and a lot of the time extreme for lack of a better word but far out on on one side of the continuum extreme boy behavior which is difficult for a classroom environment can often be labeled as ADHD behavior so what's your take on the trend in diagnosing or, or even do you see like do you see a trend? I know that for some people, like it shows up in brain scans while, you know, you hear other people say, just stop eating red dye, you know, and then yes. nutrition and environment. Like where yes. do you stand on all of that conversation? Okay. So this is my stance. My stance is, first of all, I don't want a cure because there's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Um if ADHD can be cured, it, it can definitely be made better by a number of alternative modalities, um, mm-hmm. chiropractic, massage, acupuncture, uh, changing the way you eat, um, all sorts of things like that, essential oils. It can definitely be changed in the sense of the edge is taken off, is how I would put it. Right. But. But if, if those modalities take away the behavior and all that stuff, then that's not even ADHD because ADHD is more than just behavior. Right. It's, it's a whole gamut of um, ways to interact with the world, to process information. And I wouldn't, personally, I wouldn't give that up for the world. Mm-hmm. I love having ADHD and, you know, I, 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 it just really bothers me when people, you know, talk about, oh, well, it's lead or it's this Mm -hmm. or it's that, you know, well, of course lead is bad, but not having lead doesn't change the way I interact with the world in my awesomeness. Now, as far as diagnosis, the trend is to over and under diagnose. Okay. Still girls are being ignored 
because they tend to have the more dreamy mm-hmm. quality. Um, and the, a lot of diagnoses are coming from teachers, which is illegal. Mm. A teacher should not be saying that you should have your child tested for ADHD. Um, that they are not a, di- a diagnostician. It is legal to do that. A school counselor, the same. Um, you can say, here's the behavior I'm seeing, and you might want to take them to a pediatrician and get some stuff checked out so that you can rule out anything or so that you can find out what's going on. Uh, but you have no, I mean, teachers have no, I, I don't even know if somebody has ADHD. There's a lot of things that look like ADHD. So to say you know is not accurate. Well, and I think that's where I was going, right? There's a lot of things, especially thinking about the classroom, right? And that expectation that everybody should be able to sit, every five-year-old should be able to sit still, which is inappropriate for, you know, for five-year-olds. Yes. And awesome, great for, yay, for those five-year-olds that it's not, in that it is in their temperament to sit quietly. Mm-hmm. Um, I also work with teachers uh, and we do a workshop around working with kids exposed to trauma. Yes. And a lot of kids that have been exposed to trauma, yes. it shows up in yep. their behavior and it's not ADHD. Right. It's, it looks like it. It looks like it. Yep. And so that's kind of where I was curious, where I yeah. got curious around what you thought, because there's also just typical yet sometimes not unmanageable, but, you know, inconvenient <laughs> behaviors that kids show up with because they're kids and they all have different temperaments. And so I'm yeah. just curious about like, you know, but I think you spoke into that. I mean, yeah, if, if you're going to change the environment, if you're going to change their food and, and it helps them to show yeah, up differently, like then it's it goes like, away. If it right. goes away, it's not ADHD. Exactly. It's like exactly. an allergy. Right. It's, you know, but I mean, there is a way that we that ADHD people think about stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you let somebody talk, you can hear that. Um, I work in a workspace, co-working space, and there are a lot of um, gamers and techie people. And I can hear the, and then they'll tell me, oh, I have ADHD because they know what I do. But you can hear it when they talk about what they do. Mm-hmm. You can hear, um, you know, like there's one gamer and he says, I just think everything's a game. And I'm like, I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Well, what kind of tips do you give to um, parents for advocating in the classroom for their kids? Because that was one of the main things that you said parents come to you. Yeah. I think that's the toughest thing, right? Because they're also parents that probably get a lot of phone calls from the school. They're feeling like the school isn't necessarily rooting for them or can feel that way. What what are some tips that you give parents for advocating? Well, first, I just want to say I do have a book. It is free on my website. It's called Getting Schooled. And it's and the way it's written, I wrote it from the point of view of all the constituents because I've been all of them. Right. So there's the point of view of the school counselor, the point of view of the teacher, the point of view of the kid, the point of view of the parent. And it's tips for all of them to understand what's going on with each of them. It's also available um, Kindle and paperback on Amazon. But I'll put a link uh, in the show notes. 
so that people can yeah. get right to it. Awesome. So, so one of the things is to be really clear. I, I do. Can I give you a website? Sure. Give it okay, to me. So it's called rightslaw.com. It's W R I G H T S and then law, mm-hmm. like law order. And um, it has a lot of explanations about what is legal and what is not legal um, as far as kids with ADHD okay. and other disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the things that I tell parents is that some, some schools will say that they will support your child, but if you're in a public school, I re- really recommend getting a 504 plan or an individualized educational plan, which is called an IEP mm-hmm. for short. Um, a 504 plan is, 504 is, was, a, I believe, a Senate bill, that number 504, that, was, that covers, it's the Americans with Disabilities Act, and ADHD is covered under that. So some schools, because they don't want to do it, will say, well, that's special ed. Okay, it's not special ed. It puts in writing that your child um, is eligible for these accommodations or this support, and it makes it a legal document. And as such, it must be followed. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of parents, they'll have that in place, but the school won't be following it. So I will coach um, the family on how to you know, talk to the teachers and talk, you know, that kind of thing. And, and really, what's really very, very important is, it sounds contrary, but it works, is to not tell the teacher or the school counselor how important your child's education is. They know that. Mm-hmm. It's actually to, to ask them, what can I do to support you um, because nobody ever asks teachers that. Right, right. So, so if you want to get a teacher on your side, you want to let them know that you are available to them. Um, and it's really important to make sure that they are enforcing the 504 plan. So if it's not being followed, you need to make a call, send mm-hmm. an email, go in there and and make that known Mm -hmm. like it's not being followed and it needs to be followed I mean it's a legal document yeah well and I want to say too I mean I've been volunteering in the classroom for uh the last eight or nine years and I was a school teacher prior to that and I think there's some teachers doing an amazing job with all kids for sure sure. so I just want to put that out there too that it's not necessarily you know that we're always in competition or fighting at the school level, and yeah. and a vast majority of parents who are just trying to yeah. support their kids have a tough time with the school environment. So, and when I ask in my Facebook group, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've got like twenty five hundred people in that group, and I say, um, "Tell me a good story about your ADHD child and school." I get some good stories, and I also get wow, I wish I was in that school district. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's nice to hear that story, but that's not my experience at all. So 
many, many parents are going through situations that um, do not support the child is what I, those are the people I hear. What I know in reality is that, like you said, there are like amazing teachers, Mm -hmm. amazing support. um, And it depends on the district. I mean, some of the districts, like I knew somebody in South Carolina, I met somebody, a mom in South Carolina at a convention and she was getting nothing from the school district. Mm -hmm. It was just so... everybody it's us Blair and Molly your old pals from toddler purgatory two moms who are also actors who are also creative beings who sometimes feel stuck and now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it launching in January What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. You know, it kind of depends. It's it's rough, and it breaks my heart, frankly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I remember having a little guy... In my class, I taught up in a tiny town in the mountains, and I taught first through fourth grade. And I had this little boy um, who mom came in and met me the very first day. She was lovely. We yeah. developed a relationship, which I knew very quickly was important. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, did not want to medicate and was very strong on that. Um, and I, I remember, you know, looking for all sorts of solutions. And one of the solutions for this little guy in my class was – you know, if you need to, if it helps you to do your work and stand up, you can. Yeah, right. And I remember the other teachers or the helpers in my classroom saying, yeah. oh my gosh, what are you doing? It's going to be yeah. pandemonium. Everybody's going to want to stand up. And not one of my students, it was so clear that this is what this individual student needed and they didn't. Yeah. Nobody, you know, the kids are are really aware. They either want to stand or they don't. It's yeah. Kind of like, yeah. And then the mom did end up doing a little, like kind of dabbling in medication. And it was, yes, the child was um, like, I guess the word is calmer, 
but he was also it wasn't the same kid you know he was it was really dis and because yeah it was really disturbing so, almost so when he showed up that way here's my take on medication yeah this is what's supposed to happen on medication you are supposed to feel like a better version of yourself mm. so i've seen medication work it worked twice for me um it doesn't work not every medication will work but mm -hmm. when it works oh my god it feels sorry but it feels okay. it feels amazing it's it feels like oh that piece of me that i couldn't put my finger on is mm -hmm. back mm -hmm. and i feel whole it's mm -hmm. that's how you're supposed to feel so if your child doesn't feel like that then you're just managing behavior with the pill yeah. and that you know you you want your child to feel better about themselves not worse about themselves right and just because a teacher can't handle your child doesn't mean that there's no other solution sure besides medication but yeah. i am not i am in the right circumstances medication is awesome mm -hmm. so Talk a little bit about the experience of the parent. So I imagine that loving children with ADD and ADHD can be a beautiful and exhausting experience. Yeah. Yeah. So um, speaking to like what is what the experience is like with the, for the parents that you meet because we love our kids and they make yeah. us crazy, even the ones that aren't yeah. <laughs> labeled with anything. And it, so, for instance, kids with ADHD in my experience, tend to be extremely compassionate, mm. which you wouldn't necessarily assume. So you've got these kids, and they also tend to have pretty high IQs. Mm -hmm. So you've got these kids that are really smart, and you're trying to be the parent, but they can outsmart you. Mm -hmm. And so that's really like... I don't even know what to do. Should I give up? Should I try harder? Should I, you know, what do I do? Mm -hmm. So there are confusing differences. Um, he's compassionate, but not with me mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. Um, you know, everybody at school loves him, but he, then he comes home and just totally acts out mm -hmm. around the house or, um, you know, I feel like I have to childproof my home in a whole different way mm -hmm. because I mean it's almost like living <laughs> it's like I think it's adorable and wonderful but that's why I'm laughing but you know it's like living with this scientist who wants to experiment with everything right. so and 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 just I, I, I mean like I I wanted to see what it was like if you stapled your finger so Ow. I did that when I was five. Ow. Ow. I know what that's like. It sucks. It hurts. But I, I yeah. you know, so yeah. little things like that. I have. I and then we say, why did you do that? To which you have no answer. Because well, the answer. It just right, came to me. Because the answer would, and wouldn't that, like, how interesting is that? <laughs> Come on. Or I had a kid that he, um, he would take um, the, like, oven cleaner but like a, a, a barbecue cleaner, like mm -hmm. a spray barbecue cleaner. And then with this hand, he'd like spray. And with this hand, he'd light the... Oh, yeah. Fireball. <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, you know, so it's not just... it's not, So there's child proofing. 
and then there's ADHD proofing mm -hmm. in your house. And sometimes it's like what you have to do to ADHD proof your house can be, can be an imposition on the other members of the family. Sure. And so there's that also in the ADHD kid tends to be um, blamed for what's going on. And then that lowers their self-esteem more. Sure. <laughs> so this is why I do what I do. In fact, the solutions are so much easier but I know that because I've been doing this for, mm -hmm. I mean, in, a, in effect, I've been doing this for 30, 35 years. I was diagnosed like 36 years ago. So um, I've got this down. I've done mm -hmm. all the footwork for all of you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, and what I'm hearing you say is not that, you know, kids, these kids are getting into mischief because they're naughty, but simply because they're curious. Exactly. And they're interested and yeah. they have lots of I wonders what will happen if, yeah. which I think a lot of kids do too. So yeah. in a lot of conversations that I have um, with parents and on the podcast, yeah. one of the themes that comes up and I'd be interested in knowing how it shows up um, with this kind of parenting mm -hmm. is how the importance of connection and relationship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely vital. And I, this is what I talk to teachers and school counselors about also is um, the connection is the thing. So I look at it long-term. Mm -hmm. What you want is a relationship with your child into adulthood. Mm -hmm. The connection is, that's, you know, sort of ground zero or whatever you want to call it. You know, that's the basic thing. You need to connect. So I'm sure you know this and agree is that it's, not about reward and punishment it's about connection right and so and skill building not that skills building yes and that's what i do i don't mm -hmm. even call myself a coach except for if legally that needs to be said but i am a skills builder mm -hmm. i am a strategies builder mm -hmm. um and um I do believe that there needs to be structure and mm -hmm. I do believe for ADHD kids, I mean, I'm a positive discipline trainer, but I spin it for ADHD because mm -hmm. there has to be, there have to be a few different things. Mm -hmm. um, but if there's no connection and also the process I use is all about connection. Um, it's a very different process than what parents are used to doing. And you have to have the connection. If you're not connecting, you need to back up a bit, yeah. you know, and not worry about the future and not worry about, you know, what college they're going to get into. But make sure that connection is there because ultimately that is the most important thing you can do for a lifelong relationship. Yeah. And I'm sure that you're encouraging parents in their self-care practice too. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, that needs to come. I mean, not that you would ignore your child and put yourself first, but if you're not healthy, it's, you're not going to do your child much good. Right. You know, if you're suffering from anxiety or depression, it, it's going to sort of pour over mm -hmm. onto the children and anybody else in the household. It's really important to 
to take care of your own mental and physical health. Absolutely. Yeah, especially when you're, you know, when you are spending time having tough conversations with whether it's schools or childcare places or, you know, dealing with the looks at the grocery store or whatever, right? Which we all, I mean, we all have to navigate all that crap, right? And I can only imagine the leveling up that happens when you have a child with, you know, any kind of special need. Well, yeah. And I mean, some parents, you know, I had a recent conversation about a parent, you know, can I use a leash? And I was like, I don't even, I mean, what they were saying was my child will run away from me Mm -hmm. and they could run into the parking lot and get killed. Mm -hmm. Well, well, they make those awesome backpacks now. (laughs) Honestly, I don't even, I mean, I don't know what it's like to be afraid that your child will run into traffic. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I, I don't know what to say. Uh, It sounds, it sounds horrific, right? but I mean, I think even worse would be a dead child, you know, kind of thing. So it was like, I don't. I've gotten a lot more compassionate about the parents with toddlers that are wearing the little animal backpacks with handles on them because I had all sorts of opinions prior to having, you yeah. know, some young kids that like to run away. But, well, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. This was so fascinating. And um, and I'm so excited because I know that this is going to be not only helpful for the listeners, but also giving them a place to go, a person to talk to. I'm going to make sure your website is on the in the show notes as well as your Facebook. What's the name of your Facebook group? Do you know? <laughs> well, I do know, but it's going to change. Okay. Right now, it's, um, the, the URL has gifted with ADD in okay. it. Um, <laughs> but you're changing it? I am. But the URL will stay the same. Okay. Because you can't change that. Okay. I'm going to be um, blocked to brilliant. I like blocked that. Blocked to brilliant. Yes, I like it too. Yeah. Um, and nice. it sort of applies to the parents also, mm-hmm. which is also why I like it. Yeah. You know, you can be like, let me help you be the brilliant parent that you dream of being and that you were meant to be. Yeah. So. And I like that language too, because when I think of blocked, I think of like a fist and there really isn't any space for possibility or creativity when, when we have the fist, but then opening it up, like that brilliance piece reminds me of like an open hand where anything is possible, yeah. right? Yeah. Solutions are available. Creativity is there. Love yeah. that. Okay, well, I'm going to put all of that in the show notes, including a okay. link to your free book, Getting Schooled. Great, exciting resource. Yeah. Um, and then I have a la- my last question, which yeah, is... Yeah, I can't wait for this question. Yay, good. What does <laughs> joyful courage mean to you, Margaret? So I was thinking about that, and the first thing that came to me was that I think it's courageous to be joyful these days. Hmm. I mean, I think we, or at least this... United Statesian um, world, we tend to value overwhelm and, um, you know, extra hard work. Like if you're happy, maybe you're not tackling what your potential is, or maybe you're not doing enough. Like happy isn't, it's not, it's not okay to be happy or joyful. And so I think going for joy as, as a parent, as an individual, um, is super courageous 
And, you know, people that do that, I just applaud you. I, I think that's fantastic. Go for joy. Yeah, go yeah. for joy, listeners. Thank you so, yeah. so much for being on Thank the show, you. Margaret. I really appreciate all your wisdom. And hopefully we can talk again soon. That would be awesome. All right. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks, Casey. Margaret Crane is the bomb. Wasn't that a great interview? I had so much fun talking to her. Um, check the show notes. You will see all of the links that were mentioned in the conversation, including Margaret's free ebook for parents um, getting schooled, as well as rightslaw.com, where you can find more information about legal resources and support for the people you love with ADD and ADHD. Um, yeah. Also in the show notes, you will see a link for checking out that common connected parenting program from Maslow. Remember I started the podcast with my little commercial. Well, check out the show notes, check out the links, check out the program, see if it's something that you might be interested in. And Send me an email, Casey at joyfulcourage.com is my email address, and put Maslow coupon in the subject line, and I will dial you in with a, a code, a coupon code, so that you can do the program for free. It's pretty rad. So do it. And don't forget to join the Joyful Courage tribe and our community Facebook group, Live in Love with Joyful Courage. Just search for that in Facebook and then you'll see it pop up. And you ask to join and I accept you. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at joyful underscore courage, on Twitter at joyful courage. And I am on Pinterest, but I'm not very good at Pinterest. So just go to Instagram or Twitter, or Facebook, and you'll find me there. All right, and in the show notes, um, if you're on the joyfulcourage.com on the website, you will see that there is a form to fill out. If you're interested in being on the newsletter list, you will receive sort of regular emails from me. Every three weeks or so, I send out an email uh, with a bundle of the podcasts that that, um, you may have missed, and a blog post if I've written them, and information about any live events coming up. Plus, it's a little bit of inspiration for your morning. I try to keep it light, (laughs) and I share about my own muck that I'm navigating in the moment of writing the newsletter. So there's that too. Join the community. Big, huge love to each and every one of you, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.